And so today's hope, it's going to be a little different. There's going to be some opportunity to kind of interact today, uh, even a little bit more than normal. Um, but excited to, to share this uh, image again. Let's look at it one more time to just start really, really taking this and thinking about this. Sprite. I think he uses Sprite for the fuel. It's the best. Oh, there is. When I was a kid, we, um, my, the, the time when we went camping every, so as I got older, my dad would let me do something else. So I remember the, I remember the place we're at when I got to use the hatchet for the first time. Uh, that was like a big deal. Cause if I made me feel like a grown up. I'm actually like nicked part of my finger. Like it was really bad. <laughs> But then I got to learn how to like bandage my hand in the woods too. That was pretty cool. But I remember the, the weekend also that my dad, we had an old Coleman one, uh, Lantern, they had the little mantles. And I remember having, he showed me how to use it. You need to pump that one up. Um, and I remember getting to light it, getting to put the match in there. And it was like a big deal that I got to be like a junior dad uh, lighting the lantern. My dad still like swears kind of by like, you got to use a real lantern. You can't use a... Uh, batteries. Um, but this was for me, it, it says it has this picture. There's a lot more like memories and feelings and warmth from it in a different way. And that's, that's what we're the, these last two weeks, last week and this week, we're talking about kind of the vision of why we're here, why we exist. And what does that look like? And today I'm going to take a little bit of our time uh, to just look at this one picture kind of, and really like take some time to look through what, what is a picture of a lantern? How does it help us see why the church exists, why we exist. And then we're actually going to even hear uh, Jordan and Emily are going to share with us uh, for what, what's happening for them. We're going to need an opportunity to pray for them and some missionaries. I'm, I'm excited for this morning um, as we continue here to worship together. We have just a quick overview. We've been talking about last week why we started Hope Heights, why four years ago we started meeting uh, next door at Highland and why we still meet here, why we do the things we do, uh, and ultimately why and how we bring joy to our city and we uh, looked through scripture and these stories of, of uh, this Jesus who comes, is born, this light that comes in the darkness that people gather around him, that he shows us through his healing physically of bodies, spiritually, emotionally, like in all ways, he makes things right around people. Uh, and then he actually like ends sin and death's power over us through his death and resurrection, which is a story that probably many of you know or have heard and that story is what compels us to only people who move into a place like we see in Acts 4 and, and proclaim that and bring that joy and, and be that light um, and so that more people could know ultimately and experience that joy that comes from the gospel. Not just uh, making people happy around us, but bringing this real joy. Uh, and so we, we talked last week about what it looked like to be scattered, to be people who are put in a place that God put us somewhere and in a sense, almost be okay. Say, oh, you put me here. Instead of, I, I think for myself, often I feel like, uh, I wish you'd put me somewhere warm. Uh, or I wish I could just get to that place. And then when I'm there, I could finally think about why God has me here or what it looks like to bring joy um, or good news. And so first we get scattered to a place. What does it look like to say, hey, we're here. Uh, many of us live here close by. What does it look like to be bring joy to our community. And then we're people who gather around Jesus, not around a personality or a person um, or even around an idea, but around a real live person who changes people, who brings um, people back from the dead, who heals people, who will come again one day and make all things right. And so we, we come to the place right here. God's put us here right now in this place. 
in this time and we decide we're going to gather around Jesus. And then as we gather around Jesus, we're going to enjoy him and his work and we're going to join him in his work. And essentially that's all we do as we gather around Jesus. That's why we're here this morning. Uh, it's probably why you got up and put on coat, maybe an extra coat, some clubs, started to experience real Minnesota January and came here so we could gather around Jesus, be reminded of who he is, what he's done together. And then that allows us to do that. So our, our mission here really are, our hope is that we follow Jesus together. This isn't just a, a lone ranger, a one-person thing together. And then it hopes that together we can bring joy to our city. And so today we're just going to continue. What does that look like? We show this image a lot here every Sunday pretty much. And we talk about this gospel and community on mission. And that's the way for us just to have boiled down what is it that we do then? What does it look like to follow Jesus together and bring joy to our city? Well, we, we do that in gospel, with the gospel that's in a community, and that community is on a mission. So today we're going to look at what that looks like. It looks like a lantern. So uh, I love, I'm excited here just to take some time to really think about that. And I think that story, uh, a story that shows us a narrative here that we see in scripture that shows us a picture of this is, is the beginning of the church. It's the real mission and kind of the model that was given to us uh, right out of the gates in the book of Acts. And it still is the same thing. It looks different because we live now and things are different. We live in different cultures and communities, but at the core of it, it's still the same. So I just want to walk you through quick the beginning of the book of Acts. This is a book um, that, that shows the acts of the church, essentially the acts of the Holy Spirit in the beginning as the church started. So for a long, long time, God's people... Um, were wandered and were exiled. They brought back together. And then Jesus comes. He dies on a cross. He raises from the dead. It's this incredible thing. It changes all of history forever. And his people then start gathering together. And Jesus then eventually ascends to heaven. We're going to see it here. And so what, is, what, is it, what does God's people look like now? Do we just kind of hang out and wait for Jesus to come back or what? And he actually gives us this great mission. And so I want us to see this as our picture today as we look at what does gospel and community on mission look like? I think it looks the same as when it started, um, essentially. And so let's just read this together. I'll, I'll read it and walk through and uh, share a little bit of what's going on. Just be encouraged by this mission that many, many years ago started, and we get to continue it today. Uh, I hear from Acts 1. And they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So this is, Jesus has risen from the dead now. His, his followers are gathered around him and their question is, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? This question could be uh, like, literally, is this like God's people? Are you going to now give us the power again for those who still maybe hope that the end goal is that God's people, Jewish people would have power? Or is it at least you're going to push out uh, the, the Romans so that we have our own place? Or what does that mean? Or maybe they're just asking a bigger question. Are you just going to restore your kingdom? Are you finally going to come and make things all right? Are you just going to bring your kingdom into place so it's the kingdom of kingdoms? Uh, maybe they're just asking a question in, in the words they have in their time of like, are you, are you going to finally make things right? Because you died and rose, but like, but like I'm still sick. There's still brokenness around me. There's still a lot of sin. I, I want to see these things end, right? So they're asking this question of him, and he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, so they ask, are, are you going to restore it? And he actually says, 
you don't need to know the time when all, all things will be restored, all things will be made right. But actually, you don't, maybe you don't know, I, I'm going to actually give you a power and you're now going to go, this Holy Spirit's going to be with you and now you're going to get to go and spread this good news essentially to here right where we're at and down the road and down the road and way down the road. In fact, all the way down the road to all people that are very unlike you and historically have been your enemy, you're going to go all over. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So this is the ascension we, we say in, in the church. So Jesus gives them kind of their last uh, big call. He gives them the big mission. This is what we say like in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew. This He goes, hey, now I want you to go and tell people and I'm with you. The spirit actually is with you. And he ascends and now God's people are there. And they go, whoa, we now are responsible for this. And they were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. So Jesus leaves them and they say, why are you looking at, I love that moment that they're just looking in the sky and they go, why are you looking in the sky? He's, he'll come back. Let's go do what we've been called to do. And so he, essentially he's saying you're, you're in this section, right? We're in this, we've used this image before. You're in this in-between kind of state. It's not yet the, the glory, the, the everything being made right, but you're in this season now where you get the chance to tell others of this really good news. So it continues on. Then the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one place. You imagine the conversations they're talking about or the things they're thinking and like, what is this going to look like? How are we going to do this? We're all together. People had gathered from all over because of the season it was to, uh, to gather to worship. And so suddenly a sound, they're gathered together, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting in. So that like a very physical, real thing, this wind starts blowing and it fills this home. And they saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to set on each of them. So it's like a group of people in this house, the wind is blowing, something's happening, and it seems what looks almost like fire. They're like above their heads. Like they've been lit almost. And then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of a sudden they're able to speak. And we see in this, it's incredibly speak with one another, people who they normally couldn't speak to because there was a language barrier. And now all of a sudden they're united. Even in their language, they're all together in this moment, filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit, His power has come like Jesus has said it would in this moment. Now, there uh, were sta staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. I mean, it, it, the, the reality of this moment to be in a room uh, with people that you couldn't understand, it would just be like loud crowd, you hear different languages, you don't know what's going on, you could just talk to the people you're with and then suddenly the spirit moves, you're filled. There's what a picture of unity that we all now can talk together. It's incredible. So of course, right, they're overwhelmed. And then Peter actually speaks to everyone. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Remember Jesus who came and did all these wonderful things? This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. So he, 
God knew he was going to be handed over to be crucified. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is, a bold, this is like a bold first sermon to God's church. The first church sermon is like, you killed God. You remember how you killed God? Yeah, that was with some wicked people. You got together and you nailed him to a cross and God knew exactly what was happening. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Essentially, Peter shares the gospel, right? Hey, the, we, this, Jesus comes. God knows exactly what's going to happen. And, and wicked people, essentially powered by Satan, right? Put him on a cross and kill him, thinking they end his power and his reign. And in fact, that actually emboldens him because you can't, even death can't hold him. He tells this incredible story. And then he actually shares, uh, quotes David right after this, uh, encouraging them, like even David, the one you look up to, this king that you look to, the one you even pray, I wish you could have David or a king like David again. He prays, he, he shares a passage about David, and then he, it reminds them that maybe if you're looking for someone like David to establish a David-like kingdom, you might want to rethink. Let's not forget who this Jesus is. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. Jesus, we just talked about who died and rose because death could not hold him. David, who, who we love, he died and was buried and is still buried. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on, on oath that he, would, uh, that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. He, he essentially tells them quick the story. Remember, we've been looking for this king to come. David told us this king would come, and he has come, and death couldn't hold him, and he rose from the dead, and we watched him raised from the dead. Remember how incredible this is? And remember, he just came to us and said, hey, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with you. I'm not going to leave you. And it's going to allow you to go share this good, good news around the world, essentially, eventually. This is this great mission we've been given. There's others who need to know that this has happened. And Jesus is the one we gather around. He's, he's the reason this is happening. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and and Messiah. He says, you're wondering what's going on with the, this, the winds moving, the flame that's over our head, the way we're talking to each other in this way. It's because the power of God has now ignited us and united us. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I love that phrase, cut to the heart, right? It's like it got right in their heart. It wasn't just that sounds cool. Let me consider it. I like that idea. I like your strategy here, Peter. Something changed their hearts. This is this very biblical way of talking, right? This like hearts that were stone that became flesh. Something went right into the heart and changed uh, what motivates them, what they love, what they want to do. And they say, so then what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the, for the forgiveness of your sins. This is the essential call that we all have, right? On us and, and all people. What should I do then if that's true? Will you repent? And repent means just turn to Jesus, 
Being baptized is a way for you to publicly say, I'm in the family of God. It's a symbol of I'm a family. It marks you, right? So turn to Jesus. Be marked. I'm in, I'm with him. Turn to him and you will be forgiven and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is like, we get to see in action the first church coming together, the first sermon coming together. This one's incredible. It's thousands of people actually do this. They say, I believe. God actually changes hearts right then. They go, holy cow, holy Jesus, this is real. And they're changed, right? They turn to him. They're changed. This is like the whole thing we do. This is in, the, in essence, right, foundationally, this is what we do. We gather to remind ourselves of that good news that Peter spoke a long, long time ago. And we say, yes, again, yes, I got to turn to the one who brings life, the one who brings forgiveness, the one who makes me a family, who marks me as part of the family. It's true. And then right after this in Acts, we hear this picture of this early church, this first gathering of them. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they gathered to hear the gospel, essentially, and what God had for them, what God has for their life, and to fellowship, to be together in community, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That spirit moves through these people and does the things even that Jesus had been doing before. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to Anyone who had need, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the picture. This is actually a picture I remember in college reading this with friends, and I was like, this is all I want to do is just sit with you every day and hang out. We'll eat pizza and be glad and sincere <laughs> with one another. Uh, as life got more complicated and harder, right? And we weren't all the same age and the same people in a dorm. Um, realize this is harder to figure out. But this essentially is what our church is. People who gather together, who have everything in common, really everything that is, is essential, right? Say in the, in the gospel in Christ, that we have in common. Now, this phrase, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, is like the coolest biblical way to talk about a potluck, right? Essentially, we, get, we should start using this and would make our potlucks holier, I think. We essentially gather together as glad and sincere hearts is a way to, I would explain my small group, I'd explain many of you when we get together. Explain New Year's, we got to hang out with a, a bunch of you came over. And that is, that, I mean, that's why that brings life to me, I think, is because we gather together, we're connected through this same thing. And together we do this thing where we encourage each other towards Jesus and love each other. And I know that if I have a moment where I'm in need, that others will come around me and I know I get the opportunity to do that for others. This is essentially is the beginning of the church. This is the beginning of church and what we still do and why we still do. And if you read through the rest of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit keeps doing this over and over in other communities. This group of people then gets sent to new communities, to communities of people they've never even met before, to communities of people who are hostile towards them before. And they share the same message and the same things happen. Things are cut to the heart. People change. They repent. Churches start all over the place, over and over as the Holy Spirit moves and changes people. It's the same thing. That happened. 
And now today, over years and years and years, that happened and someone moved somewhere else and someone moved somewhere else. And eventually someone moved to Minnesota. And then years ago, someone decided to start churches here. And then all of a sudden, four years ago, we said, we'll continue doing the family business and we'll start another church so that more people can know this good news. And essentially that's what we do in gospel. That's in a, that's in a community, the gospel changing a community of people and that community moving together into their community and into each other's lives. The on mission is just like a sort of explaining how active this thing is. It's not a stale thing that like we've just created a group and we read our Bibles and now we're good, but it's this living, breathing thing. I think it's really important for us to understand that, that as we look here, we're going to look at a lantern here, as I promised. I'm sure many of you have already figured out some of these things, but what it looks like to be people who understand and believe that the light has come and that darkness can be overcome and is overcome by this light Jesus as we gather around him. And so what does this gospel uh, in community on mission look like? So just, I just want to share this, this lantern. This has been really encouraging me. Um, and so first we're going to start actually with the community part. I think this is really important. I think as um, if you look at the diagram of a lantern, right, there's all sorts of different parts that serve different functions. Some are just like a little nut that holds something together. And maybe some of, one of you is just the nut in our church. Uh, I just want to say that. Always. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, right? There's all different parts that serve different functions, but essentially like those all get put together and then the thing gets lit, right? A lantern actually without all the parts, all the parts put together, but with no flame is not really helpful, right? Maybe you could hold some paper or it could look cool somewhere, uh, but it doesn't serve like the thing it really meant to serve. It's not pushing darkness out. And so there's this part that comes together. I really want to encourage us in this. This is, um, I, I think sometimes, at least for, in my experience growing up, when I was told you're called to be a light, when I first came to know Christ and they said, Drew, you get to be a light to your people, that was very much like a, uh, a solo mission. It was very much like a lone ranger. Uh, you got to figure out how to do a lot of the things that essentially the church can do as a, as a family, but you got to do them. And I, I remember being in like trainings in college where they train us how to share the gospel. And I was like, well, this is overwhelming. And there's other people there who are just awesome at it. And I didn't feel so much like together we're on mission, but I felt like, uh, to your scent and we're happy that we sent you. Um, and so I want to encourage us. I think this gospel, this call that Jesus puts out is, uh, some of this is just our culture that we're in, right? We're in a very individualistic culture. Uh, and the culture that Jesus is talking to, this is like a very family communal culture. So I don't know if they're hearing that as much as like, each of you have to leave. In fact, Jesus doesn't send people as individuals. He actually sends them in groups to go share this. So I think it's really important to us to consider like, when we think about gospel and community and mission, we think of the mission of the church and to be a light to our community. And when it says you're a light on a hill, I, I think there's a lot of picture of that that's really us. We, we're a light on a hill. The church is a light on a hill. And all of our parts, all of us get put together and we all bring different value to this. And some of us are just a handle that's, help, that, that's helpful for holding. And so the church really is a group of us, a gospel that's in uh, the gospel that's in a community, that community is on a mission, and we all have kind of different parts to that. Even think of how a Sunday morning works. Not all of you are up here playing a guitar singing, right? Most of you shouldn't probably be. Like if you did that, we might not be worshiping quite the same. Uh, it might be a little distracting, right? And, there, and there's, 
some of you who are just really great at some things. I know I've had Sunday mornings where I get prayed for after I take communion. Uh, and there's people who just in that moment are like bold in how they pray for me. And I think, wow, you, I'm so thankful that you're willing to just be this kind of prayer warrior for me and my family. So we all have these different parts, right? That we all fit together. But together, it's a pretty powerful thing. Because the Spirit has come and, and threw lights on our heads, right? Together we actually light, the, the gospel actually like lights the lamp. And so we become this, this thing that God has created and his spirit has come alive in it as the gospel cuts to our hearts and, the, and it gets lit. And now this, all these parts come together and it lights up. And now there's a mission. This thing actually can be carried into a place and that darkness actually gets pushed out of that place. All right, I know you know how this works, but I wanted to, I was excited to show how this works. Uh, Jared, can you turn the lights off for us? Don't be scared. It's going to be okay. I have a cool little lantern here. I, uh, I asked the school and I was not allowed to light a lantern in here <laughs> for safety concerns, but thankfully they had cool battery powered ones. Okay, so that was, imagine I lit that. So this lantern right right now, let's say uh, it can be a group of people gathered together, all the parts. It, it's really not real helpful. Maybe I could use it to like strengthen my arm. I don't know if you can see that. But then the gospel gets a hold of us, right? It's good news. Jesus has come. He rose from the dead. Death can't hold him anymore. He's not David, but he's the one David talked about. And all of a sudden, hearts are changed. And all of a sudden, the flames come. The spirit gets a hold of us. And then we get to become this lantern, right? Which we know how lanterns work, right? They light up the place's corner before it was kind of dark. I would have fallen off this edge. But thanks to this light, right, I get to move this lantern into places and cast light into places. And people might go, oh, I'm so glad I was in the dark and now I'm in the light. It's simple, right? But this, this is what we get to be. We get to be planted here, held up in Columbia Heights in our community here, and we get to bring light into dark places. And here's one of the things I love about this, that also I think if we start thinking of it almost as just me, if it's just Drew going out there, bringing a light, then I start really feeling like... Maybe I'm a bigger deal. I might even get critical uh, of other people trying to do it. I'm going to even start believing that just my church is the only way to do it. And it's not actually true. I think even like in our community, this is one of the reasons we love partnering with other churches because we believe God has, has started lots of churches to do this in our community. So not only are we spreading light, but there's like churches around our community. Like look, it's back here. There's another church in our community that's lit up. Another lantern. And then there's another lantern that's lit up. And so our community is not just us in, in Columbia Heights, but we get to partner, right, with First Baptist and Pastor Renee, who's reaching other people. He's bringing light into Spanish-speaking community, into families that we aren't connecting to, but he's bringing light there and pushing darkness out. And we get to partner with Heights Church in town. There's a coffee shop, and we get to help support them. And also we get opportunities to do mission with them, as well as there's other churches, right, in our community. That's doing it. All right, Jared, let there be light. Let's really. So that we get this sweet picture of us coming together in community, the gospel lighting us up, and then we get to bring that light. So as I was thinking, I actually watched a lot of videos this week on these lanterns. I got a little obsessed with how cool these lanterns are, how these lanterns were designed one way and they've never like changed the design uh, ever really. 
and they're the same solid lanterns. And so I started reading about why these lanterns are so good. There's people who get very excited, like anything, collect these. There's lantern meetups. You can meet up with people and talk about your lantern. I think it's awesome. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do that, but... Uh, but here's what, here's some of the reasons why they love this lantern and what a picture of the church, right? Just quickly. First, I love this. They say these lanterns, they call them hurricane lanterns. And the way they're designed is that the air actually, the sides are actually hollow. And so the air actually gets pulled in through underneath. It's kind of all sealed up. And so the air, um, so it's actually drawing air from around it in a way so that like wind doesn't blow the light out. So that you could actually, they call them hurricane lanterns because people could use them like on ships and things and they would stay lit even in a, in like a heavy storm. What a picture of the church, right? That storms don't extinguish this gospel. I, that's the church too. We're built in a way that it doesn't, just a little storm doesn't change us, especially if we're in community together in this thing. A lantern can also bring warmth. We were camping as a kid once with our cool lantern and it got very cold cold where like my mom said to my dad, hey Al, we should probably just like leave. And my dad's like, no, this will be good for the boys. <laughs> and so <laughs> we decided to stay in our tent and it was like snowing. Uh, but I remember one thing. He said, uh, we had the lantern, we brought it into the tent and I said, oh, we should put the lantern out. And he said, no, leave the lantern on. It'll, it'll provide just enough warmth to like cut the, the real, real harshness of the of the cold. And it did. We left our lamp on. It's not super warm, super hot. It's not a fire necessarily, but it was enough to cut the, and it kind of warmed our tent enough that we survived through the night. I remember him saying, we just got to make it to the sunrise. <laughs> we didn't sleep a lot. We were all in our sleeping bags. We made it though. What an adventure that was. But it provided warmth. I love that picture even too. It might not be like a blazing fire. I think sometimes we want to be like a huge blazing, the lantern of lanterns, the brightest. I, there's something really valuable about just a warm lantern that brings light to where it's been brought and even provides a little warmth. I think our church does the same. We could be small, but we're consistent. And, and if we're held in a place for a while, we can at least cut some of the real bitter cold right? Because we know eventually Jesus comes back and really warms the place up. And we get to kind of in the meantime, be that warmth. I love this. They're designed with a purpose, very intentionally, simple, but effective. It has many parts, but all the parts are very important. There's people who love to take them and take them all apart and like, you know, restore them and fix them. And often in those videos, they talk about how like every part is essential. There's not a part that is uh, like just for fun or fluff it's like every little part to the, the kind of handle and the way the handle is bent, everything is essential to it. There's no extra pieces to it. Similar to us, right? We are all essential to this. We might serve different purposes. At times we might get celebrated or not celebrated, but very essential to us together, bringing light, a mission to our community and to ourselves and holding each other together. One of the things they talk about is how durable these are. Uh, that these lanterns, one of the guys says, always says, these lanterns aren't a fad. I don't think they've ever been popular. So you have to call it a fad, but they stick around. In fact, the, the design of like the original ones of these uh, is over a hundred years old and they've literally never changed it to the point of the like stamp they make it out of. Um, one of the brands still says West Germany on it, but instead of ever changing the mold or whatever, they just like, we'll just keep making them saying West Germany. Um, it, there's something about that durability. It's the same thing that's been made over and over for many years because it still is the thing that works. 
It still is the thing uh, that we could pass on to our kids. Uh, and it very much, right, that's, that's church. It's the same thing. We're not doing a, a new spectacular. We haven't went, you know what? These don't work anymore. Essentially, we're the same thing with the same parts. It brings light, which we keep saying, right? Its job is to bring light to dark places and push back darkness. And in the end, that is what our job is. And I love uh, how portable it is. It can be hung on different things, brought to different places. It's one of the things I love about our church and the church is that the church is a place that actually can move into different places. It's like the gospel is the one thing that any person anywhere in the world I can talk to. And it's the one thing we have in common is that I know that we are more sinful than we probably realize and we're way more loved than we realize and that we're broken and that we experience sin and darkness and that we're looking for something to bring light into that darkness. And that is something that can be moved into many places. It can be very flexible in that. I think if, if our church had a certain model where like it only worked in, in a very specific way, we might want to ask that question. What kind of gospel are we sharing that only works with a certain people in a certain way? It's one of the great things about the gospel in Christ that he's come to all people in all places. And way back in Acts, we see, he says, I'm going to send you to the ends of the earth, even, even Minnesota. And, it's, and the same gospel is true there. So I want to share how this, how our, our church, the Lantern of Hope Heights, um, practically has worked. And so I actually asked a bunch of you, I asked our small group leaders and some leaders and staff, I said, hey, how does how does this work for us? How do you see the gospel and community play out? And it was so encouraging to hear. I want you to hear the practical ways we actually see this happening uh, in our church. And so I, I just made a list. Here's kind of the light that has gone out. Um, I got all sorts of great, great responses and very different responses. I heard responses of uh, God has shown his love and support to us in very hard seasons of people who stuck with us at Hope. They have celebrated really good times with us but have stuck with us even in the hard times, which often matters more. Amen to that. I feel that. I love intentional times together. I love when people share meals. I've loved going on walks with people, hikes with people. I love it even when I can hang out with some people from Hope and do a puzzle. People texting me, encouragement and prayers has been a gift. There's a way that community comes together, reminds each other of the gospel. What a way, right? We see our mission, our light gone in our community, through the way we've been uh, shown hospitality to people. We've worked with Seika and the food shelf. People have been tutoring at Naraki Park. That's been a really cool way to see a, a lantern, right? A group of our people together going and caring. For the blue bin, the, the many, 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 many coats and toys and things that continue to come in to bring uh, warmth and care to people. Love seeing just individually many of you go and care for people uh, in the community on your own, you find ways and places that really are near to your heart. I, I want to encourage you that's not like a, a thing that's alone. Someone mentioned, uh, uh, same with work. They said, if I didn't have my people, I don't, I don't know how I could be a light at work or a light to other organizations in my community. I think that could be a thing we might think of as individual, right? That person goes by themselves to work and in work, they have to make decisions they have to think about what integrity looks like. They have to think about what the gospel looks like in them, in that place. And they're actually not alone in that. And multiple people said, I actually think about people in my small group when I'm at work. And those are the people that encourage me to be a light. So that means they're not alone in that. Actually, together we're doing that, which is, which is a really incredible thing. Maybe that's something you haven't thought of. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to go, I, how can I be encouraged by people? How can I lean into other people as I'm in a place that, doesn't, that maybe feels dark? 
Um, we, we see uh, the gospel and community mission as we proclaim the gospel here on Sunday mornings through preaching and singing together, praying together, taking communion together. We see this in our small groups and our hangouts and our retreats, right? As we get together, we gather together, we remind each other of the gospel, we hold on to that, the lantern gets lit, right? And then we see ourselves move back into whether it's our families or homes or friends or uh, our own hearts. We see that overflowing as we care for people in our community, the schools. Uh, for our school, um, people in our school have, have used the word, they're a light in our schools, is a wildly encouraging thing to hear them know these, these are people who come together and care about these people and want to bring light. These people, they're not even saying it in the way we're saying it. They just feel that warmth and that light from us. A few other ways that, that uh, people have shared uh, is just being on the hospitality team and then feeling the love and care uh, as they've come into our building. What a way to be a light together. Hearing about people welcoming people into their homes, hearing about people taking opportunity to sacrifice their time and their talents to care for others in their neighborhood, hearing stories of many of you just reaching out and caring for a neighbor in need, even sometimes calling other hopesters to say, hey, I have someone who has, needs help. Would you help me with it? What a gift to get to do that together. Three different people emailed me just the word hugs. So it got on here. Just hugs. There is something sweet about coming on Sunday morning, knowing you don't have to say anything. You just have to like look like you need a hug. And people are willing to give you a hug. You don't necessarily even have to, to share. You can just know people are here to hold you. The countless times people have made meals for one another, made meals for people as they have new kids, uh, cared for each other's kids. I've heard story after story of people saying, hey, can we watch your kids for a night so you can just get a night together? These are ways that, that we just hold each other, encourage each other, that God uses. I'm so, it's just a gift to be uh, in this community together. And I want us to, to not lose sight of how, how sweet that really is. And how many people I think would, be, would love to be a part of this family. I, I did ask the question also, what maybe would dim our lights? Just quickly to consider like maybe what happens when our, the light gets dim or maybe the lantern starts falling apart or pieces maybe we lose in pieces a little bit. And here's some of the things people share that they felt or, or seen. Sometimes it's just hard to believe that Jesus is good. So it's hard to be part of a place that gathers around Jesus. Sometimes we just feel like we got this without Jesus. We don't, we, we feel like we could just be a lantern essentially on mission and maybe not lighting up. Maybe we use our lantern for a different purpose, but I think we, we find ourselves thinking maybe we don't need Jesus. Just tired. I think a lot's going on, right? It's just tiring. Sometimes it's hard to, it takes work to be intentional, to be in a community and to, to be moving towards Jesus and to even be on mission together. Busy lives are probably tied to being tired. Sometimes we might feel like I need to be cleaned up. I'm not allowed to be a part of this until I have my stuff together. Well, that would, none of us would be here then. So that's not true, but I feel that. You think, I don't want to be a part of the community because I don't want them to know my brokenness, not knowing it's a place to actually be healed. Sometimes we just rely on all-star Christians. So we think we'll just let the people who are really good at articulating the gospel message, like Peter and Acts, we'll let them do the real work, not knowing we actually need all of us. Maybe you're not the one who does articulate that, share that with some of you. We need you with others doing that together. Uh, maybe nobody wants me. Not true, but might feel that. Nobody wants me in this community. Again, I need to be cleaned up. Oh, it's double on there. 
That was bad editing. It's okay. I need to be cleaned up. Uh, I'm not gifted. Maybe you think, I don't know where I'd fit. I don't do any of those things. Where do I, where do I fit? Well, God has not made you. He doesn't make a person not, not part of the family. And so that's something we can help you figure out. And maybe you just don't feel your gifting is upfront enough or whatever that is. But that's the way maybe uh, sometimes just me time is more important than us time. Unless if the, if the time in community isn't uh, helping me, then it's maybe not valuable. Not realizing that actually you just showing up can sometimes be the, the thing that changes for someone else to help someone else. And often, right, churches as hurt. Uh, the church has been a place where people have been hurt by other people. And so if, it, if we're not gathered around Jesus and we're just gathered around a church or a group that meets and it's hurt me, then I wouldn't want to be part of that group. So we want to remind you today, I just want to encourage you that we are a place uh, that we've seen incredible things happen because God has been here with us. Because he's a light that shines in darkness and that darkness cannot overcome it. The message we hear is Jesus enters into the world in the book of John and we see him that play out in the gospels and we see Jesus leave that same power with us as we uh, now get to carry that on to Columbia Heights and Shoreview and the ends of the world. We get to share that good light together. I'm excited for this year. What would that look like? I want you to really think about what that looks like for you. What is that? Maybe one of these categories, one of these things doesn't work. So maybe you feel like, I don't feel like I often want to move towards mission, overflow, like moving towards people. Maybe I'm not very good at connecting in community. Maybe that's a goal this year to think, God, how can you help me connect to my community? Maybe I just want to understand the gospel. I want my heart to be cut deep and come alive. So the place to start with that, I think, is really important is prayer for us. And so it's a place that might feel like we're not doing anything, but it's a very important place. And so we've actually, it's so important, we've created something for you. We've created official Hope Heights prayer kits. That makes it sound way cooler than it is. Uh, But essentially we've created some cards that are all different areas to pray for in our church. This is a place to start. This will actually cut your heart and change change us. And so we have these, they're out by the communion tables. We'd love for you to take, we made tons of them, 80 of them, I think. So take one for your household or take two for your household, but uh, their cards have all different areas to pray for in our community, in our church. And they're a way to guide you. And I encourage you if, if we, for all of us to start really praying for what light looks like in darkness. Uh, we also made some stickers because everyone likes stickers. Uh, maybe you want to throw one on your car uh, or Photoshop one to a bottle <laughs> like this, but you can... Uh, just as a reminder throughout your day, remember, you have a family that's with you in this. You're not just bringing light by yourself. So what would that look like this year um, as we move into the year to do that together? And I want to share one way. Um, this happens with many of you, as I, I already said, and, uh, and uh, there's, there's one person we want to highlight today. There's a person, uh, just for a moment, I think he would only like a momentarily high, momentary highlight. Uh, but we want to highlight... Our, our good friend, Jordan Anderson, this month, I believe, is his 10-year anniversary working at Hope. Uh, you can clap for that. Um, Jordan has been around Hope longer than that, but officially been employed by Hope. Down, he was at our downtown location. And then him and Emily were part of the team that started four years ago here. Many of you know him. He was just singing with us. Um, thanks to Emily, she sent us some great pictures of him in all the different ways he served. Look at this old classic. This has Colin in it too. Look at young Colin. He's, he's very old now. And uh, 
I love it. He served in so many ways with literally fixing stuff, building stuff, making food. This is a cool picture up here. Um, he serves on our small groups team here at Hopes. He helps make sure the buildings, everything happens in the buildings at our downtown location. Uh, Jordan also has become an elder here at our Heights location. Loves the people here, loves you dearly, prays for you a lot. Um, and so we celebrate this 10 years because at 10 years as a staff member, we like to celebrate kind of up front. So you know the work this person has done, but uh, ultimately we just are thankful for him. Um, and Jordan is a person personally who is very much uh, the community and the gospel and the mission in my life. He's a guy who, who cares for me deeply, encourages me. When I feel like I'm going dim, he's one that reminds me of the gospel. He's one I love being on mission with. We've got to do so many things together for many years. So uh, love this guy. And actually, uh, really cool, it worked out that him and Emily have something they want to share with us about how this looks even for their own life. You guys want to come up? Um, Emily's a big part of all this too. Jordan wouldn't have survived the last 10 years probably without Emily. So they're going to come up. We're going to have them share a little bit of, of something they're about to do that for them is an opportunity to, to move uh, on mission two. You want to, sorry, I forgot the mic. I can move this. We can have you stand over here. All right. I even made a slide for you guys. So... Are you wearing the same shirt today? Just a different shade. There's lots of flannel. <laughs> There's lots of flannel. <laughs> I, I have all the flannels. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love it. That's one of my favorite pictures of you. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, That's fun. A little trip down memory lane. It makes it feel like you're... I love you. That's what I think you're saying there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love for you guys to share. Um, I need to make a little slide so you get a little visual for us. But yeah. uh, you guys are taking kind of a big uh, step here in the next week. Uh, maybe share first what you're doing, and then me. I want to ask, like, kind of where did that come from? Why Why would you do that? For sure. But first, tell us what. Yeah. Uh, so we'd like to introduce you uh, to the Gravois family. Uh, some of you may may know, uh, but uh, Paul and Kelsey, uh, along with uh, Nora and Joseph, uh, they are a family uh, that has been sent by Hope uh, as global church planters to Chad. Um, and Emily and I have the opportunity to actually uh, go visit them, and we leave on Friday. Uh, so they're having a, a team retreat. Uh, the Gravois are part of uh, a team of people who are in Chad. They are spending a lot of time learning the local language <clears throat> to try to uh, locate and find a people group that have never heard the gospel at all, and their hope is to be able to start a church there. Uh, but it is years and years and years in the making. And so uh, we're going there. Uh, we're going to be spending about a week there with their team, helping facilitate a team retreat of theirs. And we just get to go and, and encourage and support and love on them. Um, and uh, we were asked uh, over the summer and... Uh, it was an easy yes for us. Uh, logistically difficult, but uh, to, to be asked, it was, a, it was a quick and easy yes for us to be able to, be able to, to support them like this. Yeah. And what, would you, what do you feel like has motivated you? I know you've been very involved in their support team. What has motivated you guys? Because that seems like a lot of time and probably money to go to Africa and all those things. What has like motivated you? Even just share kind of how is the gospel and community mission, how has that played out? 
for you to want to do this. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of different motivations, I would say. Uh, uh, certainly, just on a friendship level, they, they lived with us for a season before they left, and so there's, there's definitely just a relational connection there. Uh, but I think uh, uh, maybe on a slightly deeper level, uh, Emily and I have never necessarily felt personally called uh, to go overseas, uh, uh, and yet we share, I think, a, a similar sentiment to church planning in the same way that we were really excited to help start Hope Heights uh, four years ago. We know and can recognize that same heart and desire that the Gravois have for the people of Chad, and we love uh, nothing, nothing more than to, to support them in the same way that, that we received support in kind of the way that we did this four years ago for Hope Heights. Yeah. It's really cool to think that they're doing that now there. Yeah. Well, so we talked a little bit before the service too. The, um, we, other missionaries have said the same thing. The greatest gift that we can give often is to come and care for them. Maybe share a little bit of even their process and why you're going just to like hang out with them or, or what does that mean? Why not go and like build an orphanage, which could be yeah. a great thing, but why, why, why is that maybe important? Or why did they even share that that was valuable to them? Yeah, so um, we, Jordan kind of already mentioned this, but for them to be able to do their work every day, learning the language, building relationships with their neighbors, um, just even adjusting to life over there, um, buying your water and holding it in a tank so that you have water for the week, just, just the different things that they have to do. Um, for us to go over and with Paul and Kelsey along with their team, it gives us a chance to encourage them, to let them know that they have a whole church here um, in the U.S. who is supporting them, praying for them, um, just caring for them in different ways. They, for us to be able to go and support them in that way, the hope and desire, I think, for them and their team is that they then are given that much more of an oomph and a push to go back and do the work that they're doing. So... We are not boots on the ground per se, but we are encouraging them and loving them so that they can go continue being boots on the ground, knowing they have love and encouragement from their brothers and sisters here. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, um, uh, we have a schedule throughout the week when we're there, and we'll be doing you know some planned activities, uh, worship and uh, different speakers and sessions and things like that. Uh, but legitimately, in the afternoon and the evening, we ask, like, hey, wh what do you want us to do? What's, what, what's our job? What's our, our duties? And they just said, just please be our friends. That, that is the biggest felt need right now is just to be among other believers, to be encouraged by the gospel um, and who speak English. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so that is, we are going over to, to be gospel friends. Uh, to Paul and Kelsey and, and the rest of the team. That's really cool. I think that Mike, I, that over gets overlooked in my life. How much that's needed. So what a gift. I love you guys are going. That's really exciting. Can we pray? Kind of send some prayers with you here. Um, let's let's. Uh, this, uh, this is impromptu. Let's gather. We prayed one time for our seniors, and it was magical. So maybe if you guys want to gather up, we'll just come down here. If you're willing to come, we're going to move for a second. And pray over them, and then we're going to continue our service here uh, with some worship. If you're willing to come down, if you don't want to move, you can just lay out, set out a hand. We're going to pray for the Andersons as for their safety as they head out, and then also pray for um, 
the Gravois family and the work being done in Chad, which is really encouraging. 